Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jim. You may be seated. Boy, I love it when the wise read wisdom literature. (laughs) That is pretty awesome. Thank you very, very much, Jim. For the rest of you, congratulations. You did it. You just read an entire chapter of the Bible. (laughs) So many times we get intimidated, even me as a minister. We get intimidated by the Bible. We open it up and we think, oh boy, where do we start? How do we begin? What do we do? Uh, But one of the things we must remember is that the Bible is one continuous story. I've said it before, but if you want to see a really cool graph of that, Google Dr. Jordan Peterson's graph of the Bible. And then you'll see in Google Images this really cool timeline where it's from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And he does this really cool thing with different colors connecting every piece of the Bible where it connects to itself as a big continuous story. And it looks like this beautiful array of colors. It looks like someone just hucked a honking ball of rainbow yarn at this timeline. And and it shows you how connected. It is just absolutely beautiful. The Bible is one continuous story of God loving his people, sending his son to redeem his people, bridging that gap back to himself, and living in eternity in relationship with God. It's this big cyclical story, and it all revolves around a good, just, holy, righteous, merciful, compassionate, loving God, right in the middle. And and, and C.S. Lewis says this, uh, God has to be self-centered for anything to work. And it kept C.S. Lewis from being a Christian for a very long time. Because he said, when I read the Bible, I just heard a very self-centered old man that wanted my attention, and I didn't want to give it to him. That's what he thought about God. Just some narcissistic old man that wanted everyone to think about him. But then the more that C.S. Lewis got to thinking about it, and C.S. Lewis's mind is much more finite and tuned and better than mine, he got to thinking, oh my word, for this whole thing to work, God must be self-centered, or it doesn't work. That's the definition of perfect. That's the definition of holiness. That everything must revolve around the perfect God. Everything must revolve around the holy God. And you can either come to grips with that now or later. What's beautiful about Solomon is we get a a glimpse into his entire journey. So Solomon arguably is the gentleman who is either the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes. Because remember, Ecclesiastes has an author. But the author is quoting the professor or the teacher or the kohelet is what the Hebrew language calls it. It also it actually means a gatherer of a, a person who gathers people to teach them the wisdoms of God. And so there's the there's the person who's speaking, and then there's the author. Most people think that the person speaking is Solomon. Solomon also is credited with most of the proverbs. A book of wisdom literature that we're going to move to, thankfully, probably after the next two weeks. It's only going to take us only two weeks to get through the book of uh, the chapter 12. We're, we did a whole chapter today. <laughs> we're moving along. And then we will dive into the book of uh, Proverbs. Now, Solomon also wrote another book. And that one is easy to know that he wrote it because it's called The Song of Solomon. right? And it's a romance book. 
Well, I was listening. My friend uh, Chris gave me a really, it's old school. She gave me this cool booklet of CDs. Remember when you'd get a sermon series from a preacher that you really liked? And it was this big, giant, zip book of CDs, and you'd zip it open and you could flip. She gave me one of those on the book of Ecclesiastes by a gentleman named David Jeremiah. And so I just, I went and I had to rummage through my house to find one of those things. What do they call A CD player. And I found one in Jesse's room. I think it was like an old, he used to have a Ninja Turtles one, but that one didn't work. And then I found another one, and it, and it worked. And so I started listening uh, to David Jeremiah. And one of the things he said I thought was really fascinating, he said, Solomon is credited with three books. You can argue it if you get into history and all that jazz, but that's not for us. Credited with three books. Song of Solomon, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And he said that Song of Solomon was written... In Solomon's youth, it's young love. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. If you want to blush, I encourage you to read the book of Song of Solomon. Who said the Bible isn't fun to read? Crack it open. You will blush. Song of Solomon, he wrote it when he was young, young and in love. Then, number two, he wrote the book of Proverbs. They say he wrote that mid-life. And so, if his first book was romance... His second book was Rules. Proverbs is all the rules on how to live. My guess is Solomon was raising a teenager and wrote the book of Proverbs. <laughs> These are the rules! <laughs> right? Um, what what uh, uh, Adrian Rod no, not Adrian Rogers, um, David Jeremiah said that Mark Twain said that a child should be put into a barrel with a small hole in it. And when they become a teenager, you should plug the hole up. That's <laughs> a part twist. But we've all been there, right? We've all um, been there as a teenager. And uh, so they said that he wrote the book of Proverbs in his middle age, and it's all about rules. And if you do this, this will happen. If you live this way, this will happen. And then comes Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes was written when, uh, actually, it was actually, I believe, written after Solomon died. But it was, ri it was written at his later years. And uh, um, David Jeremiah said this, he said, if, if, if Song of Solomon was written about romance and young love, and Proverbs was written about rules in the middle of Solomon's life, he said, actually, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's an older gentleman with regrets. If you read it, it's regrets. There's an incredible comedian, I forget his name, but if you just YouTube, it's very worth it. I think I've told you this before about the book of Ecclesiastes. But if you YouTube, comedian who gives his life to Christ or comedian who, who comes to know Jesus, it's through some tapes. We'll go even back further than the CD player. It's through some tapes that a friend gave to him of a pastor from Texas preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> And this comedian had come to feel like his life was meaningless. He didn't know the Bible, didn't know anything about it. And he popped in these tapes when he was like really at the end of his rope. His marriage was failed. His comedian gigs were done. He was really struggling, alcoholic. And he threw in the tapes of Ecclesiastes. And like you all know, it starts out like this. Meaningless, meaningless. Life is meaningless. He heard those words on that tape. And that comedian said, if this is what the Bible's about, then it's just about me. And I can listen to this. You didn't want to hear some Philly rose. It's funny because other people would open that tape, click it. It would say, meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless. And like, I don't want to read the Bible. That sure is a downer, you know. And so Solomon writes this book. And what we've learned from Solomon's wisdom, 
See, we got to remember that Solomon, you, you, we got to kind of back up a little bit. I don't know if I've done this in a while. And if I did, I'm sorry. And if you know this, I'm sorry. But for you that don't know who Solomon is, where did we get here? How did he get to re writing the book of Song of Solomon? How did he get to writing the book of Proverbs? How did he get to writing the book of Ecclesiastes? We got to back up. Who is Solomon? Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba. King David. And who is King David and Bathsheba? Well, Solomon actually was from a mistake marriage. If you remember the story of David and Bathsheba and how David and Bathsheba got together, it's a really awful story. First and foremost, David was being lazy. It says when kings go off to war, David stayed home. He was being lazy. Then David, being lazy, went to his computer and Googled women bathing on the roof. Do not Google women bathing on the roof. Not a good Google search. But he did. And he was on his roof. And who did he see? Bathsheba. Women, don't bathe on the roof. Okay? Obviously, she was hoping someone would be like, don't sunbathe. You What? Anyway, David saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof. She must have been gorgeous because he's like, whoa. And as a king, you could get what you want. So he called up and said, who is that girl over there that's bathing on the roof? He was told. He said, come on over to my house. They got together, and it was when her husband, Uriah, was out at war. David got Bathsheba pregnant, got worried about it, brought Uriah home, got him drunk, and he still wouldn't sleep with his wife. Uriah was so committed to his men in the field, Uriah, even drunk, slept on the steps of the palace and said, I will not sleep with my wife when all of my men are not sleeping with their wives and they are in the field. Why am I home and why am I drunk and why am I here? David couldn't answer that question because David had slept with his wife and Bathsheba was pregnant. So Uriah, unwilling to do what is wrong, went back to the battlefield and David took it a step further. He committed murder. Not only did he commit murder, but he sent the murder letter with Uriah. Uriah carried his murder letter sealed by the king and brought it back to his commander. I can only imagine what the commander thought. The commander said, okay, this is from King David. Yes, got King David's seal on it. Oh, thank you. Uriah said, you're welcome. Anything for the king, sir. Hail God, hail the king. He opens the letter. He looks at Uriah. He looks at the letter. He said, David gave you this to bring to me? Uriah said, yes, sir. He said, okay, go to the front of the line. Yes, sir. Honor, honor the king, glory to God. And Uriah goes to the front of the line and dies in battle. David brings in Bathsheba. Their first child dies. God takes it, sends a prophet. You guys ready? Like, I have not painted a good picture of David, have I? You know what the Bible calls David? A man after God's own heart. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. This dude was lazy, looked at pornography, got another man's wife pregnant, committed murder, and still had forgiveness. He wasn't off the hook. If you read the rest of his story, it was ugly. His family life was ugly. But Solomon, Solomon's a bright spot out of it. Because along comes Solomon, Solomon gets to be the king of Israel. And as a young king, Solomon is freaked out of his mind. He's like, Lord, I'm not like my father. He's a good man. Apparently he didn't read the minutes from David's earlier life. <laughs> He's a good man. 
I can't be the king of Israel. Please help me. And God in a vision comes to Solomon and said, anything you want, Solomon, I will grant to you. Anything you want. Well, good grief, it's a genie. You and I might be like, a million wishes. That's what I want. Well, I can't do that. Right? And you see Aladdin? Right. I'll give you anything you want. And Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon says, God, would you give me wisdom? And God said, yes. And because you asked for such a noble and honorable gift, I will bless you even greater. So Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived because it was a gift from God. But just like David, who was a man after God's own heart, gives us hope because he was a massive failure, the wisest individual who ever lived was a massive failure. Because literally, right after God gives Solomon the wisdom from God, there's a, there's a list of, if you become a king, don't do these things in Deuteronomy. And if Solomon is the wisest man on earth, he's got to know the book of Deuteronomy. It was like the only book that was actually in print back then. So he knew the book of Deuteronomy. And it says in the book of Deuteronomy, if you become king... Do not store up massive amounts of wealth for you because it will corrupt you. That's number one. If you become king, do not marry foreign women because they will corrupt your culture and they'll corrupt your mind and your religion and it will bring, you know, bring about failure. And if you are king, do not go back to Egypt and get those really good horses that they have. You came out of slavery from there. Don't go back even though the horses are amazing. Solomon gets granted wisdom from God. First thing he does with the wisdom from God, I think I ought to go to Egypt. Down he goes to Egypt and goes, wow, that girl's really pretty. Marries a girl from Egypt and says, these horses are really fast. I'm going to take all these horses with me. Goes back home with horses and a foreign wife and says, build bigger barns because I have too much gold and grain. And he starts storing wealth for himself. This is the wisest man who ever lived. You and I have hope, people. There is hope for us broken goofballs here in New Hampshire. That's what's so beautiful about reading the Bible. They ain't perfect saints. They're regular old Joes like you and me. Broken, shameful, prideful, anxious, worried. All kinds of issues. Broken people used by God, point to a God that's bigger than anything. And that's Solomon. So Solomon now puts his pen to paper, and he writes these books. Song of Solomon, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is a look back over his life. And Ecclesiastes, if I had to sum it up in Marcusology, I'd say, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. That's what a book of Ecclesiastes should say. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. There ain't anything under the sun that Solomon hasn't had or experienced. And so many times in our lives, we are being driven by a desire to have and experience something we think that will complete us. Let me say that again. So many times in our lives, we are being driven by desire... To have or to experience something that we haven't, and we down below, whether we can articulate it or not, we actually believe that if we got that thing, 
or if we had that experience, then I will be content. Then I will have arrived. And the book of Ecclesiastes is like having a coffee over there on the couch with the wisest person who ever lived. And there isn't anything that you can say that if I only had that, if I only did this, I would be content that he wouldn't over his coffee say, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Guess what? Meaningless. It was so meaningless, I donated the t-shirt to the thrift shop. It's for sale over there if you'd like it. That's why I came in today. We're sitting in a thrift shop where t-shirts from experiences have come back in. There is no experience except for the salvation of Jesus Christ that will fulfill you. There is no experience, there is nothing that you can have that isn't the salvation of Jesus Christ through faith and confession of your sins that will complete that eternal whole here. And I'm not going to be the snake oil salesman that says, if you confess your sins and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That all of a sudden you're just going to have this perfect, great, awesome life. No, we're still here on earth. We still walk through this. And that's the whole thing about Ecclesiastes. I think he's like, man, heaven is to come. Union with complete union, unobstructed union with God is to come. But I'm still here under the sun. And life under the sun without faith in God is meaningless. And if you don't believe me, look up depression. Some of the most depressed people are the most wealthiest people in the world. Hollywood, full of anxiety and depression. Professional sports, watch the Olympics right now. They're talking about what it's like to crack under pressure. Deal with drug use, depression, anxiety. These are the best athletes in the world. We keep thinking, if I only got there, if I only did that, if I only can raise my children to go to the right college and marry the right person. If I could only find the right person to marry or to have. If I could only get that job. If I could only go to that school. If I could only fill in the blank. Have that vacation that my neighbors get to have. They seem to get to travel all the time. Why do they get to travel all the time? If I could only have the camper that my neighbors have. Man, my neighbors have the awesomest camper. How do they have that camper? Right? If I only had the job that she had. Man, if my husband only loved me the way her husband loved her. If Man, if my wife only was up for adventure like that one was up for adventure. Do you know what I'm saying? We all need to have a cup of coffee with Solomon over here in the thrift shop. And over the cup of coffee, he would say, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. And what I mean by that is he had a thousand plus wives, women in his life. Wasn't very smart in my book. This is the wisest man who ever lived. <laughs> Way to go, pal. You know, he stored up treasure for himself and he got all those, those, those horses from Egypt. Here's what I've taken from that. God gave Solomon the gift of wisdom. See, when God gives you a gift, and each one of you have a gift, that is very clear in Scripture. One, you have a natural gift because every human is made in the image of God. 
And then two, when you've given your life to Christ through faith and confession in your mouth and believing your heart, you have a spiritual gift. Because everyone that is born of God, is known by God, and is filled with the Holy Spirit, and is given a spiritual gift, has a rebirth, a spiritual birth. So you have natural giftings, and you have spiritual giftings. Those are true. Not only do I see it in God's Word, I see it in my line of work as a pastor. I can easily see someone's natural gifting. They're all in the Olympics right now. <laughs> and I can easily see someone's spiritual gifting. It's really fun for me as a, as a pastor to seek someone to come to know Jesus later in their life. And they open up their heart to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in. And it is very obvious what a spiritual gift is. You're like, wow. You're 50 years old. We know what your natural gift is. It usually has to do with your job and your profession and how people know you in your community and town. But guess what? Now you have a spiritual gift. You didn't possess that before. Where am I going with this? Solomon got given the gift of wisdom. Folks, whether it's a natural gift or a spiritual gift, it is not for you. And when you use it for you, it will rot in your hand, it will rot in your mouth, and it will rot your life. The gift of wisdom in Solomon's life was used to put massive amounts of wealth away. It was used to get any woman that he wanted. And it was used to get all the horses that he wanted. Sound familiar? There's a lot of people right now with a lot of wealth and a lot of fame and a lot of fortune. And they use it to get any opposite sex or any relationship that they want. They use it to get any car that they want. They have to build barns upon barns upon barns upon barns for their cars. Just their cars. And if you go on a tour of their garages, they're like, yeah, I've never actually driven that one. Wait, you have a car you've never driven? Oh, yeah, no, you don't want to drive that one because that one is a Buddha. It's a car. Drive it. But then we like to point fingers at those billionaires. Well, that's us. If you're sitting in this room right now, you're in the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. Let me say that one more time. If you are sitting in this room, I don't care what you make, you are in the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. The average daily wage in the world is two American dollars a day. Let me say that again. The average wage, two American dollars a day. That's pretty crazy to think about. Seven plus billion people. You start doing the math there, it, it makes sense. But a gift given by God to us is always meant for somebody else. And when you use your gift to make money, put away in your 401k, to have the vacation that you want, and to have the home that you want, and the second home that you want, and to be financially stable, it will rot and it won't bring you meaning. If God has given you physical beauty and you use it as a leverage tool to get what you want, whether it's the job or it's the man or it's the woman or it's the school or it's the promotion, it will rot in your hand and your mouth. Marcus, if God is giving you the gift of public speaking and inspiration and motivation and you use it for popularity and a comfortable life, it will rot. People, if it's a gift given by God, it's meant for somebody else. And if you're using it for you, you will never find meaning in it. Ask any gold medalist. 
There's so many stories right now. There's so many articles written about gold medalists who are absolutely devastated, meaningless, and want to commit suicide, already have committed suicide. So obviously the pinnacle is not it. A gift that you've been given by God is always for somebody else. And that's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about. It's about an older gentleman who was given the gift of wisdom, looking back over his life and scratching his head and going like, wow, a life under the sun without God is meaningless. And I had, fill in the blank, the cars, the women, the travel, the money, the experience. It was meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. Each one of you have a gift. Every person has a gift. A natural gift and a spiritual gift. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, why did you give me these gifts? Who are they for? I'm sorry that I'm using them for myself. I'm sorry that I'm storing up in barns for me. I'm sorry that I'm using it as leverage for me, for experiences and, and, and success. It's not that success and experiences are bad. Those are all byproducts. When you use the gift for God. But when you make them prime products, they will rot in your hand. They will rot in your mouth. And you will live a meaningless life. And I can't think of anything more depressing than a meaningless life. The Bible says that if we trust God and we believe in him, and we use our gifts that he's given for us, for his kingdom, his glory. I love it. Uh, someone says, for the glory of God and the good of all people. For the glory of God and the good of all people. If your gifting is used for the glory of God and the good of all people, you will find meaning. Oh, looks like Sunday school's out. Perfect timing. God, we love you. We thank you so, so much for your gift of your word, scripture, truth. Lord, we're, we're thankful for, for Solomon, and even though he was a massive failure and a mistake as the wisest person in the world, God, you still loved him, you called him, you forgave him, you filled him with your spirit, and you filled him with the spirit to the point where he put on pen to paper that 2,000 plus, 3,000, 4,000, whatever it is, years later, we'd be standing here printed on a bulletin that says Loon Mountain Ministry, February 13th, 2022. You knew that. You knew that this wisdom would be printed by a printer in our office with ink and paper when this was written 4,000 years ago. You're good, God. You love us so much you'd give us this thing right now in our hands. You'd let us be able to read so that we can know your truth. Help us to understand any gift from you is for other people. It's for your glory and the good of all people. And when we use our gifts for ourselves, they'll just rot and make a meaningless life. Thank you for giving us meaning. Thank you for giving us purpose and your spirit. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.